This, 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 this is mythical. Ear Biscuits is supported by the farmer's dog. Dogs will eat basically anything you put in front of them. And if you're Barbara, you will like <laughs> seek it out off of tables, counters. That, that woman is crazy, <laughs> uh, that woman being my dog. Uh, so it's important to be putting the right kind of food in their bowls. Right, and when you care about your dogs as much as we care about ours, you know, a thoughtful approach to what goes in those bowls makes sense. Yes, the farmer's dog is real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human-grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value. Just tell them about your dog and they'll deliver personalized, vet-developed recipes for as little as $2 a day. The meals arrive pre-portioned and in ready-to-serve packs delivered on your schedule. Millions of meals have been ordered across the country. We've been partnering with the Farmer's Dog for a few years now and they really are as good as they say. It really has never been easier to invest in your dog's health with fresh food. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash ear. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, the podcast where two lifelong friends talk about life for a long time. I'm Link. And I'm Rhett. This week at the round table of dim lighting. Yeah, we're back at the round table of dim lighting. Yep. Uh, we're going to be talking about what really happened at Mythicon. Yeah, this As is. As if a... there's a secret that we've been holding on to. There's not really. It's well, just I think some there's. a sensational introduction. I mean, there's definitely some behind the scenes. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, there's things that we haven't talked about about our experience that, you know, I think it's good to just put it put it down, put down our uh, experience to, to tape or whatever type of digital ones and zeros we record things to for posterity. And because it's very fresh right now. We, so fresh. We just got back home just a couple of days ago. The wounds are still open. Um, so the, the experience is very, very fresh on our minds and in our hearts. I would say that the the general feeling right now, but the, both the general feeling while we were at Mythicon and then as Mythicon was coming to a close and in these days after is that it was a success. Like we're feeling really good about uh, the way that the mythical beasts responded to it, the the work that the mythical crew put into it. I mean, the, the thing that we said all along is that if we can create a positive experience for the majority of people who are there, then we have succeeded because when you go out and try to do something for the first time that hasn't been done before, at least especially? by us, yeah, and done, you know, something like this specifically hasn't been done in the in creatordom. Uh, this sort of uh, more boutique event or whatever you want to call it at a place that boutique, was at a convention center. immersive um, two-day experience. We're feeling good. I, yeah, now, I, I'm feeling good. That doesn't mean that there, that there weren't things that went wrong and there weren't things that uh, could have been done better and that there's not constructive criticism floating around, uh, which we can talk a little bit about. But yeah, I'm... I mean, my first thing was nobody died, was <laughs> maimed, or taken away on a stretcher. Like, honestly, yeah. It, so I was just so glad because, like, th these conventions have a reputation for, like, really going south, you know? Uh, there's documentaries made about them. Well, as the, as the days approached, I mean, that's, I mean, that is one of the things I wanted to talk about was just the way that 
we were feeling about things as the date was approaching. Right, and I'll I'll say, I also wanna talk about like, we will talk about what what does this mean for the future of Mythicon? What are our plans? What do we yeah. know? We know some things already, so we can talk about that. Yep. So yeah, so you, you can go back to your feelings now. I, I will say, ultimately, before we start stepping through it, I, I kind of feel like I'm basking in the afterglow of uh, a milestone career moment. Like just being able to experience Mythicon was extremely positive for me personally. And I'm just so grateful that we have a relationship with the mythical beast such that like we can all get excited about creating something like this. And, and it, it was really special. Like there were a number of points where I was like, I think this is the peak for me. This is my favorite thing about Mythicon. And that happened probably five times. Well, the way I described it on Twitter, uh, I guess on Sunday, like right, you know, or Monday, right after it was over, it represented a culmination of this relationship that we've been building for for many years. I I think that that is that's why I'm taking away, despite some of the things that were like lessons learned that we will take into the future, which we were fully expecting. Is like you do something for the first time, you're like, oh, this, this, and that. These are things that we would change. These are things that we would do differently. You go into a new venture expecting to learn those lessons. But the thing that I was really hoping would be the core experience of the event would be that this relationship that we've been building with the mythical beasts, and for some that's a over 10 year relationship, and for some that's a 10 week relationship, and everything in between, that it would feel- Some are like 16 years. That um, the, relationship that had been building and had been cultivated was being expressed. Almost in the way that if you think about, you've got uh, somebody you have a long distance, and I don't wanna make this, it's not like a romantic thing, but a friendship, let's just say. You meet somebody- A pen pal. And actually, this is the case with a lot of people that we ended up talking to in the meet and greet and then in the brunch, we got to interact. A total of eight hours over the course of two days two and a half days, we ended up having, I don't know if you thought about it like this, eight hours of direct interaction with mythical beasts. Like one on one, one on two, one oh, on wow. three. Because- it's When you when you count your James and the Shame no, set? No, I'm, I'm counting me, no, if you count, if you count, if you count James and the Shame and your you DJ, and set, then my DJ set, and uh, then I'm talking, that's 10 hours. I'm saying yeah. a two hour meet and greet on Friday, so a make two hour meet and greet on Saturday, and then a four hour brunch on Sunday. I don't know if you realize, we were there from 10 o'clock to two o'clock, interacting with people individually, going around, going around to each table, huh. like it was a wedding reception. Yeah, And in one sense, it was emotionally draining because to have uh, sometimes intense interactions with people who are, you know, they've got a lot of things that they've been feeling and thinking for years that now they have an opportunity to tell you. But for the most part, including those things, it was it was ultimately very energizing. And I like, agree, yeah. It's, it's like you've got this pen pal that you've been talking to for years. And who never writes you back, but you know they're reading all of them. Yeah. And they might post things publicly. And then the relationship is kind of 
consummated. <laughs> Don't do it. In person. And that's the funny thing is we kept seeing people who were like, yeah, I've been, this is a mythical beast that I, that I have a friendship with and now we've been hanging out all weekend. There's that that was happening, which was beautiful and which is why we wanted to do it in person and bring people together. But then there were the interactions that we could have and not just with us, but with everybody got to interact with the crew, both in a meet and greet setting, but also just because it was this little town. And I think that that was, that was the peak of it for me was seeing that this relationship that has been building for so long could kind of be expressed in a way that you can only do in person. And yeah, when you described it as like a boutique immersive experience, that was what was so exciting to see come together because that was part of our original idea, you know? It could have been two years ago, right? When we first hatched the idea of, of Mythicon in the throes of the pandemic and lockdown uh, in our opening speech from the rooftop where, man, I could have fallen off of that roof. Yeah, well the man, one instruction that was given to Link, and this is there's gonna be a number of things like this that come up, I'm sure, but the one instruction that was given to Link at least five times was, when you step out on this roof, there will be a little, there will be a rug that's big enough for the two of you to stand on. Don't step off of that because at that moment you'll be on just like a tin roof that may have condensation on it. It's not, you know, it could be slippery. And literally the first thing you did was step off of the rug. Well, I took a step and then I took a second step and then I was looking at all the people down there and then I looked down at my foot and I real, I, I remembered I'm supposed to stay on the rug. And when I looked down at my second step that foot that was out there i was like there's no where there's no rug at all where's the rug and i realized i had already stepped over the rug yeah it was the first thing because there's just... only there's only one step of the rug i i pictured a rug going from the window that we stepped out of onto that rooftop like it's like a red carpet going right to the edge well that's what you would picture and then when i looked down i i, I, I was looking all around for the rug then I looked behind me and saw the rug, and I saw course, you standing on it. If you had, and had I, I took a step if back. If you had slipped off and like I had to like go out there and like hold that you up, that would have so been. Awesome. First of all, everyone would have thought. No, they wouldn't have thought that it was planned. They would have known because the the other thing that was should have done that. The other thing that was planned a little behind the scenes here is that we were also told multiple times, but unfortunately, we weren't told right before we did it <laughs> that uh, someone was planning a proposal, and that our really our only job was to. Recognize this guy. Welcome everybody to Mythicon, cover some logistics that actually we didn't even need to cover because they were covered elsewhere. And then just throw it over to this guy, Wesley was his name? He had a, Weatherholtz. Wesley Weatherholtz. Still is his Great name. name. Throw Unless it over to Wesley and then Wesley would take it from there. He was like in a light, you know, like there was a spot, basically like he was under a light so everybody could see him. He, he was, was going waiting. to propose to his He was girlfriend. waiting our entire speech. And our other job, I will say, was to give a kick-ass welcome speech after Cotton Candy Randy introduced us. And I think we delivered, man. Yeah, We had one microphone, we had to share it. We didn't get in a fight. Almost I, did. I didn't go too off the rails. Yeah. I didn't weep. You wore a pink hat. That was, I, that was I found cool. the pink hat up there in the attic. But yeah, he was waiting for our kick-ass speeches to be done, and you know, he just, you know, just imagine you, you're gonna propose. Like I was so nervous when I was gonna propose, and I did it two weeks early by accident. You know, this guy was like, "I'm about to do it. Yeah. All I got to do is say my name," and then we go through the whole speech, and then we're like wrapping things up, and then we like say "ta-ta" for now, and we go back in, 
and he's just standing there. I'm so, I felt so bad. I feel so bad for him. Like what we put him through by accident. Yeah. We just forgot. And the moment we duck our heads back into the door, Jenna's like, the, the proposal, get back out. So we're like, turn around before everybody disperses. It was like that quick. No one started moving. But yet. then you started talking into the microphone, which had been cut off. And the microphone was off. The music was People playing. are dispersing. Now we're yelling, don't leave, don't leave. Please don't leave. And that's I so we ended up handing it over to him. I did say at that moment, do not let this be indicative of how Mythicons are going to go because thankfully we're actually not in charge of the details. Like this is one of the things that we were supposed to remember, but our team is better at remembering those kinds of details. I don't want to dog anybody, but it kind of was indicative of Mythicon. We'll get into that in a few ways that like some things don't go exactly as planned and you have to roll with it and make the best of it. But back to what I was saying when I was given this speech, what I told them there that I was saying again here is that like, we hatched Mythicon in the throes of the pandemic. We missed that interaction with fans. You know, we had two years of on and off touring and we were like, let's, let's do an event. Let's, let's make something that is an experience. And let's, we need to make it something that is not just called a convention and it's not just where people show up to see us do a show alone or just watch uh, watch people record their podcast. Like I just was kind of, we were immediately averse to just creating what we had already experienced at VidCon, honestly, but only for Mythical Beasts. We wanted to do something that was a holistic experience. And we thought the venue would have a lot to do with that. Um, and it turns out we were taking a lot of risks when we when we picked a venue that was outdoors and a lot of those things. But like we we did it because it was so charming and unlike any other place you could go. And once you showed up there, I mean, it was kind of like being at a very preliminary version of Disney if it was just us, you know, like on like a small primordial scale. But that was kind of the idea. So when fans actually, a couple of fans was like, this is kind of like a Disney experience because we tried to, I, the team tried to think of all the details of, uh, along the way and you know, if you read the fine print on things, you would see that there were jokes on them. You know, that's mm -hmm. kind of an example yeah. of, you know, yes, this sign says do not enter this particular building, but then it also makes a joke about that. I can't remember the jokes, but like. A lot of them had to do with you not being allowed in the building. Right. Which I found very funny. <laughs> yes, yes to that, and I think that incidentally, um, most of the challenges and lessons learned are related to the fact that we chose such a um, specific venue that was isolated, that required shuttling people to it, that your all your your food options and everything, were, yeah. you're there, right? You're kind of isolated on this island. We made a decision because we were going for this more memorable, unique experience that created challenges that obvious, obvious, and we knew this going in. But challenges that you wouldn't have if you were at a convention center where you've got you your know, hotel a convention room. center is designed to have a convention at it. And transportation to a convention center, a lot of times it's just walking from your hotel room, which is somewhere. If you want other options for for things to do, you can just step right out and go to things in a metro area, that kind of thing. So we understand that those are things that created challenges, but a convention center is a convention center. I'm not saying that 
if we if we you know do this again, it won't be at a place that can accommodate those kinds of things. Which I guess this is a good time to go ahead and talk about the fact that even we were planning on this even before Mythicon. Just so you know, uh, that we had made a decision in the months leading up to Mythicon 2022 that we were not going to do a Mythicon 2023 because we wanted more than 12 months in order to learn the lessons that we learned in 22 and be able to apply them in 23. Because there's things like selecting a location, taking into account all the, the, the amount of the work that our team did and how do you divide that between the mythical team and then we worked with On Location, a, a great company that does festivals. So in order to give ourselves more runway for lessons learned and planning and moving forward, we're just gonna go ahead and tell you that there's not a Mythicon 23. We already knew that going in, uh, but it's worth mentioning now as we're as we're talking about this. Again, because if we if we do it again, or when we do this again, we want it to be done um, even better and be a step up from where we started. Yeah, so at this point, kind of everything's on the table in terms of like how we follow up Mythicon 2022 with something that the earliest it would be would be 2024. Right. Um, in terms of how we do it. And, um, but I, would, I just really, I, I, I just consider the whole thing a success. You know, I know that, you know, it wasn't about the money, you know, I'll also be honest about that. You know, uh, it's, we, we, you know, we didn't make money. I'm, I'm just, you know, well, uh, I think, I, I think we broke even. I don't think we broke even. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to think that because it makes we're me still feel... we're still working through <laughs> we're still working through the finances. Uh, but as of right now, all indications are that we paid we paid to make Mythicon happen. Which again, I'm just it, I'm over here fixing my hair because I don't want I don't want to hear. Well, no, no, but, I'm just but again, we, we it was worth it. It was totally worth all, it. But also, it wasn't a surprise. Every single festival that I've ever heard of cost the people who threw the festival money the first time they did it. And that's what we, we went in saying, listen, this is not gonna be a money-making venture. Maybe one day it will be, but this is not. And people are probably thinking, man, for all the, for the money I pay for my ticket, yeah, well, you that, still didn't make any money? But there, like, yeah, it's again, like, that's all part of there it. There were lots of comments going around about another money grab by Mythical, which again, it's not the kind of thing we're gonna come out and say, guys, listen, we're, we're gonna, we, we are paying to do this. <laughs> uh, but that is the fact, it, yeah. is that it was not a money grab. There's lots of ways that we could do a money grab if we, were, if we, if we chose to. Um, but it was starting to, it was beginning something. Just like in the book of Myth Mythicality when we talk about pick a direction and go, just start doing something. We have a tendency, and listen, we do a lot of things that don't work because we do a lot of things. And if you do a lot of things, you're gonna do a lot of things that don't work. And we knew going into this that it's very unlikely unless we score like a, a again, cause like the, you know, we, we called Liquid Death the sponsor. They were a sponsor in that they gave us the water, but. Which we, was huge. We didn't get any money. Uh, you, we would have to get a number of sponsors, and it's just a, just so it's a, the festival world where we learned is is an interesting thing, and and so now that we've done it, and it was a positive experience for the majority of people who were there. Next time, maybe you can begin to introduce those kinds of things that help support it financially in right. a way that it becomes a money making 
venture, which again, which we would we would want it to be because we don't want to pay out of our own pockets and lose money every time we do something like this, regardless of how special it was. But Speaking totally, totally fine to for that to be the case in the first one. Yes. Ear Biscuits is supported by Mountain Dew. We all get bogged down with the mundane tasks of life, especially this time of year. But isn't it time you take a break from your normal boring routine? Don't just sit on the sidelines and watch life go by. Get in the game with the bold tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast. You can be having a blast anywhere. Having a blast at work, having a blast in traffic. Okay. Having a blast while you file your taxes. What? No, really, we mean it when we say anywhere. With Baja Blast now in stores everywhere, you can be having a blast whenever and wherever you are all year long. So what are you waiting for? Pick up an ice cold Baja Blast today at a store near you and for a limited time with every purchase of Baja Blast in stores and at participating Taco Bell locations, you can collect coins for a chance to get Baja gear or a Taco Bell deal. This swag is available for a limited time only, so do not wait. Grab a Baja Blast and start having a blast right away. No purchase necessary. Open to US residents 18 and over, subject to official rules at BajaBlast.com. Ends June 15th, 2024, void where prohibited. I never got back to talking about how I was feeling in the days uh, as Mythical yeah, was approaching, but I gotta say, with every year that passes, I feel like both of us get better at just dealing with increasing amounts of pressure to perform or for something to be pulled off, and eventually you just get to this point where you're like, "There's," I mean, doing everything I can to make this, uh, everything that it can be and everything that we want it to be, but there's a number of things that are outside of our control. And just, you know, the larger yeah. that Mythical gets and the and the more things that we try, the more kind of impervious you get to just stepping into another experience that you feel completely unqualified for. I feel like every single year, I'm just doing something else that I feel unqualified for. My life has almost become doing things that I feel unqualified for. And so I've actually gotten better oh, yeah. at not being nervous about things. Definitely. But there was a lot of, I think, hidden stress that was popping up in certain ways that I wasn't, you know, I was trying to talk about them in therapy. There were things like, and I know this is the case for both of us, in addition to Mythicon and everything else that we continue have continually have going on, just, you know, running Mythical and, and everything else that we're doing, there was these special sort of um, inaugural events in their own right of me performing as James and the Shame and you making your DJ <laughs> debut right. and, and and doing the dance party, kind of what we were calling the bookends of Mythicon, of me kind of opening things up on night one and you closing things down on night two, <laughs> that I was very I was very nervous about because that you know while I have performed music in front of crowds for years. I've never done music like that, and I was performing my whole album, which I'd never performed live for anyone, and Jesse was joining me, and Jesse was super nervous because she hasn't been in front of an audience in a very long time. Right. So there- It was the new thing that took a lot of your focus, you know, because it was, it, that was a big deal, you know, and it had, you had no, you hadn't done it before. Yeah, I definitely felt that way about the DJ set. I, you know what? I have so much that I want to talk about about my DJ premiere, and 
some things that happened afterward that I haven't told you about. Like there's so much that people are asking, how did I come up with the name? Hmm. Uh, uh, and like the entire experience was so surreal, like the costume, every everything that went into it, uh, in, went into the persona. I'd love to just table that until like next episode, because I have so much that I want to unpack and tell so you about. So we can just have an elk hound snuggle baby unpacking episode. episode. I, yeah, that sounds like a plan. I have so much and I want, there's so much I want to hear from you that I haven't asked you about. Like your vantage point of the whole thing. <laughs> oh, been, I had quite a vantage point. Uh, <laughs> so uh, next episode, we'll, we'll talk about the Elk Hound Snuggle Baby of it all. But yeah, I was talking to Jesse about, I was like, you know what, I can, I can help you be less nervous because like you're kind of doing something that I have a point of reference for, you know, in terms of like singing with Rhett, showing up for sound check, performing songs that you rarely perform. And then uh, we didn't get to talk until we were like on the way to the airport together. And she's like, where, where is all this advice you're gonna give me? And I thought I had some really good advice. I, I was like, first of all, you're gonna be nervous. Like I don't get, Nervous about a lot of things. The the point you were making earlier, because when you just have to do something a lot to get to a point where you're not nervous about it, like to to do something big and that you've never done before in front of a crowd, or maybe for you listening, it's something you're taking your own risk. It might not be crowd oriented, but it's something that you're like putting yourself out there. You're going out of your comfort zone. I, absolutely, you're going to be nervous. And you, that's gonna keep happening until you do it so much that you actually start, you need to look for something else to make you nervous. That's the great thing about James and the Shame for you and the DJ set for me at Mythicon was, a lot of my emotional energy was geared towards those things because they were so new. So I just, you know, I was like, yes, you're gonna feel nervous. It's totally, it's part of this. It's part of it. Trying to find a way to have some fun in the moment is is kind of like a north star. It may not happen, but I was like, the only practical advice I can give you is when you're singing, when you go up there and you sing for the sound check, don't worry about what any crew or anybody thinks. Like you're not trying to sound good for anybody, so don't even worry about that. I used to be fixated on that. Hmm. Like we, let's write a song called the sound check song so that we can not seem so stupid out there for sound check. That's how self conscious I used to be about sound checks. I was like, don't worry about that. This is about you getting comfortable. And for me, when I sing with Rhett and I'm on a mic and in a, in a place that I don't know what it sounds like and I sing the melody, I sing in unison before I break into any harmony just so I can tell. And then I was like, I thought this was like gonna be the best advice ever. And she's like, yeah, that's not gonna work for me. Like that's, that would totally mess me up. I would totally lose my harmony line. Well, because like me, because she is not a typical harmony singer, um, she has a tendency to begin singing the melody. The way that she screws up is by singing the melody by accident. Well, that's a lot worse than going flat. Anyway, so it was a, that was a big moment. So just to go to that, I mean, that was, that yeah. was the first night. Well, we, think, we did the welcome. I think there's a lot of things packed up in this that kind of speak to Mythicon broadly. So, yeah. um, so the first thing we did when we got there on Thursday. So we arrived on Wednesday night, uh, but then Thursday mid-morning, we show up at Star Hill Ranch is where we had it. And what we knew was that rain, first of all, it had rained on Monday pretty significantly. 
uh, and it was supposed to rain on Friday morning. So this everybody's arriving at 3 p.m. on Friday. The first, now, Paisley. Nothing's paved here. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a ranch. It's, it, yeah, Everything's it, dirt. There's gravel and there's dirt. But so Paisley kind of gives us the tour of the stuff that had already been set up. There's still a lot of things that were coming together you know, on that day because as people are getting there and setting everything up, but kind of takes us through, these are all these little, there's basically houses and structures, buildings all along this thoroughfare and each one had been themed in a certain way. It was, you know, here's the mythical movie house where they're constantly running, you know, sets Different of, programming yeah, of ours. There's the, muse, the mythical museum. Which was awesome. Which was super cool. The attention to detail for that was awesome. Kind of baked into the meet and greet hall. There's the merchandise area. There's the the, the VR the experience. There's a VR experience. There's the where you can candy like see house. an accurate representation of the entire GMM set and pick up everything and like hear us talking in your ear about everything that you're interacting with and, and darts that you're throwing. Yeah. It was so so we took a tour faggies. of all that, getting increasingly excited. Then we go down to the main. There's stage a barber area. shop. There's a barber shop. People tattoo were getting parlor. their hair cut. Their head shaved, their beard trim. Well, okay, there was a there, there was a, ta- a tattoo parlor, and we did not anticipate the literal several hundred people who wanted tattoos waiting uh, for hours. So we actually had to people got, to get turn, a, got turned turned away because it's one of those things that we had it in mind from the beginning. We want to offer people tattoos. We want people to get tattoos at Mythicon, and. We were like, how Everybody what, wanted one, what percentage apparently. of like 2,300 people would want to get tattoos, right? Apparently 50%. <laughs> More than you would think. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV. Like an adventure ready RAV4, available with all wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So, visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. So anyway, so we're getting excited about it, but then we go down to the main stage area, which is an amphitheater, sort of, you know, outdoor amphitheater, sort of grassy area. But the first thing we kind of notice is that there's a lot of mud amongst this grass. I don't know the logistical history of exactly how we got to this point, but we were kind of alarmed and they were bringing in like gravel, like, you know, crushed granite and stuff, and they're like, Trucks coming in, and the guy who owns the place is like in a, you know, bobcat, a bobcat, like moving stuff around. And we're like, okay, um, this is a little disconcerting. They're like, well, we're gonna, it's gonna rain on Friday. We're gonna, co- you know, we're gonna cover the whole thing with plastic baseball field style. But getting a little nervous about that because that was where three very important things were happening. The first night, James in the Shame performance, the live ear biscuit that we were gonna do 
uh, on Saturday morning, mm-hmm. and then of course the main stage show on Saturday night. And for each thing, there was like a separate stage presentation that we had prepared, right? So that we weren't stealing the thunder from our like main performance on Saturday night. And it allowed everybody to sit down in the amphitheater and like lounge, and it was kind of like our vision was like picnic style, hang out, lot of space, and yep. the, and even monitors set up. I think so. It was like. It so, went from that to like, okay, we're just trying to keep this thing as dry as possible. And there's no, we were like, there ain't no way. It's I'm, a, I, you know, I'm a civil engineer by degree and at least by training it for a couple of years and drainage <laughs> <laughs> was drainage and grading and sort of, you know, pervious, you know, permeable surfaces. That was my specialty. So this is your fault. So, so I actually, the first thing I said was, this is not, I don't feel great about this. I don't feel great about this being okay by Friday. It's the first thing I said when I showed up on Thursday. But you sh- you weren't wearing a hard hat, so no, no. listen to you. Hard hat! So I, um, and I think this is really what represents, we talked about this on stage at the show uh, and also at the, at the James and the Shame show. This sort of capture, our rehearsal on Thursday night, I think is a perfect encapsulation of what mythical is and and what mythicality is from a creative perspective. Because Jesse and I get up there to sing these songs for the first time live and also for the first time on an amplified system, which you know, there's a difference between sitting down in your living room. Like Jesse and I have been practicing these songs in our living room. It's strange, that's what I was trying to tell her. And we were hoping that we would have time to maybe play a show somewhere in LA on like an amplified system. No. Of course we don't have time for that. So the day approaches, it's like, here we go. So the first thing I notice as I start singing into this giant sound system that's being broadcast through the whole place is that I sound horrible. That's the first thing you think because your ear has to tune into the way that everything is happening in the monitors and the PA. So you practice, you, you did that the whole album for an hour. You, I played you, the whole album and I played the songs, Jesse performed on three songs, we played those songs at least three times, times each. Yeah. Until the, until the point where I'm like, okay, I feel good. So Jesse leaves and then you walk out of a building and come down and without like changing clothes or anything, we immediately go into the main stage show rehearsal. And at that point, <laughs> is when you can kind of see like these confused looks on huh. people's faces because here I'm up there playing these serious country songs about religious deconstruction, <laughs> which is so out of the blue. And then all of a sudden- And we're, all we're, the crew and people who were just hired to make everything happen. They don't know what they're there for. They're just like, okay, I can understand this. And then he's the next a, thing you know- He's a country artist? Another guy shows up and we're suddenly riding on a double bicycle rehearsing our route up onto stage. Right. At which point we rap, everything's okay, cause I'm on vacation. <laughs> and I, at that point you see people leaning over and talking to each other. And actually after that, that rehearsal that night, I walked past the guy and he was trying to explain what was going on. And I heard little bits and pieces like, they, they, they do YouTube and they've got fans that are showing up here. Yeah, and so, but the fact that other than that, I can't help you. And then if they stuck around for the elk hound snuggle baby reveal, <laughs> it's just the same guy that you were saw now in this outfit doing this. Yeah, but 
The thing I told the crowd at the James and the Shame show and maybe at the main show, that's the beauty of mythicality. That's the beauty of, 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 of mythical. We're well-rounded individuals. Because. You never know what you're gonna get. To everyone who was there, it makes complete sense that there's this guy yeah. and his wife singing these serious country songs and then. That he, are making people weep. Yeah. Oh, and listen, I'll tell you about how I try, I try, I, I got through that set without crying in a moment. But <laughs> then, he, then he and this other guy are doing this crazy show where they summon an alien, and we'll get into that. And then it follows up with the other guy who joined him on stage is now in this outfit uh, that I'll let you describe in a later point. And Thank you. he calls himself Elkhound Snuggle Baby, and he's DJing a party. For, to any outsider, it makes no sense at all. But to a mythical beast, it's like, yeah, of course, this it, this completely makes sense. It all fits together in this I world. And I love it. the fact that I those people it so get it, much. and that's why we did it, because they do get it. And that's what I told Jesse. I said, the reason you shouldn't be nervous is because this audience will be the warmest audience and most supportive audience oh, that yeah. you could possibly imagine. So much so that when she, she comes out, they go, nuts when she comes out. And she started, she was trying not to cry. Yeah. She was, you could see it, she was like trying not to cry. And I was like, I was thinking, I told you, I told you you had nothing to worry about. Now it's impossible to tell somebody to not and be she nervous. she started singing, she was like Aah! No, she sounded great. Um, let me tell you, man. So that was, just to talk briefly about that and we can move on. Well, the, the, just the one part of the story you can't leave out is that we're driving to the venue the Friday morning to then like oh. get ready for the whole thing. Yeah. And, and we get a phone call from Stevie who's like, I'm already here, we're moving, nothing is on the amphitheater stage, nothing except for your main show. No Ear Biscuits, no James in the Shame tonight. We're no, moving no, it all to the big tent. Because we have to do everything we can to try to preserve the grounds so that people can see your main show there. So all of that practice you did and acclimation you got to that sound system, Forget all of that, because now James and the Shame is performing in the Big Tent. In the Big Tent, the reason James and the Shame and Ear Biscuits were not originally scheduled for the Big Tent is because they're not big enough for the amount of people that we anticipated being at those two events. Right. So we the, made the best of it. The, everybody had to stand. That wasn't. It wasn't ideal. ideal. From from my but, perspective, you know, everybody made the best of it. From my perspective, I didn't. I I didn't let it affect me. Uh, because I was like, of course, of course, I'm gonna have to. I, I spent all you. that time getting ready on this particular sound system, and now we've gotta go do a sound check, a short sound check, this completely new system, and just be ready for it. So Jesse and I show up, we do our sound check in the tent. You know, completely different sound. It feels completely different, but readjusted pretty quickly. And so I was like, okay. And I was like, I hate the fact that people are going to there's gonna be people who can't see because there's only so many people that can fit in here and we've got these TVs and we did what we could in a very, shout out to the Mythical team and also Gary and Matt who you know produced the, the show from an acoustic standpoint and beyond that and, and, and you know, basically just made the technical aspects of the live events happen. Mm -hmm. um, very quick adjustments. So, but that was unfortunate because people did have to stand and some people couldn't see and it just wasn't planned it how we wanted to. It was a, it was an audible. The energy was great though because everybody was so jammed in there and like 
at the beginning of your set, from my perspective, I was like, you know, we kind of had to hide. Like I was literally looking through a, a crack in the tent watching your set. And then later on they allowed, they found a space for us to go up to the front, like be right next to the stage, which ended up working out. But like, uh, even from that vantage point of like looking through a crack, um, it was just, it was electric. Oh, the, the heat, the body heat and smells that were coming out of that tent. I was like, man, everybody's excited. <laughs> well, especially at the at the like the final party. Oh God, we, uh, we can talk about that next time. So, it was a wonderful experience. I mean, I said it on Twitter the next day. One of the most special nights of my life. I completely believe that the whole the whole thing was special. That performance because it was being able to sing these songs to uh, a group of people who. You know, I didn't know, you never know, like how many of these people who are mythical beasts are listening to the songs? I don't I don't know, but when when I start singing and they immediately start singing along. That's awesome. And so I was closing my eyes for, for the pretty much the whole time, but you may have noticed if you watched me perform for two reasons. Number one, because I was trying to remember the lyrics. <laughs> because when you haven't performed these songs live, it's another part of your brain that you have to turn on in order to remember 11 songs in a row. Yeah chords and lyrics and also try to stay on tune and also trying not to cry because I was like, uh, <laughs> if, if I really take in what's happening right now and the way that yeah, these people are being supported and it, God knows if I look at anybody on the front row, every time I kind of peek down there, people are weeping. I'm like, <laughs> so when I, if I did open my eyes, I looked above them like my dad taught me to do in public speaking. You gotta look above the crowd so you don't get distracted. Um, Just the feedback from people in all of our meet and greets. We, by this point, we had already done one two and two hour meet and greet. Right before, yeah. That was before our welcome. So it was kind of cool to like, because we couldn't walk around. It was kind of cool to have that meet and greet and to hear from fans and their first reactions. And um, But then the second meet and greet on the second day is when people were able to talk to you about the James and Shame uh, experience. And people just had so many heartwarming, moving things to say about uh, our deconstruction stories, their identification with it, even if they ended up in a different place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they were they were grateful for it. And then the people who connected so much with the music, it's like your album has become this, um, in their own words, like a, like a lifeline, a lifeline, like something they can hold on to that's like they have now, now they have this shared experience in music that like a lot of couples were talking about how they connect over this album because it ex a lot of people are saying how it expressed the things that they couldn't put into words, much less music. And I was really moved to just, you know, to just to witness everybody come up and say how much they connected with that. Obviously it was happening during the concert, but like the stuff they had to say afterward. Yeah, it was very so moving. special. And it, it was so special for Jesse too. I mean, first of all, we we almost didn't perform Kill a Man because it's so guitar driven and I didn't want to sell it short by just doing an acoustic version, but we put a, an acoustic version together. I'm so glad we did it because it was the <laughs> highlight of the concert because Jessie, you know, which a lot of people didn't know that she's the one singing the opera on that part of Kill a Man. Yeah. And she did it and- I mean, The jaws she, were dropping. She brought the house down. Yeah, it was crazy. The, 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 the length of applause when she was done with it, I was like, I don't know how long this is gonna go on. Oh yeah, it was, she felt so minds. good. It was such a good experience for her. So so much, you know, where she was like, okay, 
I feel like if we have to do that again, I can think about it in a way that actually I can anticipate it in right. a positive way. Um, I will take this, just to quickly move on from James on the shame, I did wanna say because I don't wanna forget about it. I announced it at, at Mythicon, and I'm gonna announce it right here, um, that a lot of people asked about having a physical album for Human Overboard, and so that is on sale right now. Um, we're gonna have a sort of a pre-sale window. I'm selling a record, and yes, also a CD and a cassette because people, we were selling smaller quantities of the CD and the cassette, but there was enough people who asked about it. Um, so it's a pre-order, you gotta like say, you, you gotta make an order and then that way you know how many to make. Yeah, and you know, you're gonna have to be patient, obviously, because vinyl production is very slow right now, but there's a pre-order window. We've got a really cool design. We're kind of taking and being in, in, inspired by the album art to actually make a record that has this cool like color splash. You know, we're not just doing a black record, it's this blue and green sort of tie-dye color mix thing that's happening on the on the record. Uh, really nice in interior sleeve with lyrics and then the CD's probably gonna have this like uh, poster fold inside with this, we've got lyrics on it and that kind of thing. Um, and also there's some exclusive merch that's being, you can bundle with it or you can get it just kind of as part of the Human Overboard physical album, um, got a, a t-shirt that has like a cool blue-green kind of tie-dye pattern that's coming off of like the ocean inspiration from the album cover, and even a sweatshirt with a oh. with with lyrics from Give a Damn on it. So you can bundle that together. You can get them individually. Again, jamesintheshame.com. This stuff is not going to be available for long. So and also the first uh, few hundred or so copies of the record that I sell, I'm gonna have a signed exclusive postcard that goes inside those. So it comes with a, comes with a signature as well. So jamesintheshame.com, appreciate your support. Ear Biscuits is supported by apartments.com. If you're looking for an apartment, you know, there's you should get in touch with what it is that you can get most excited about. Maybe that's an apartment with a balcony. Mm. Or windows that face a sunset. Oh. I mean, if you're really gonna get into thinking about it, because you are gonna live there. Hardwood floors in the kitchen, maybe. Mm. Well, apartments.com has helped millions of renters find their perfect place with powerful search tools to help find a rental listing that checks all your specific unique boxes. They have powerful tools like amenity filters to make sure your possible future home has all the amenities you need, like in-unit washer-dryer, air conditioning, dishwasher, balcony. Oh, did you say balcony? Did you say elevator? Oh. Some people love a good elevator. Or save searches. You can favor the listings that stood out to you so that you can revisit them and won't lose what could be an amazing future home. I, I like the idea of like one of those things that's usually on top of a barn that says what direction the wind's blowing. Oh, a wind uh, thing, thing with a rooster. Yeah, yeah. that. Visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. You know, we were well taken care of uh, in terms of planning, you know, even when it comes to like security. That was a, a big unknown was like, when you, when you hire an event production company, to work on something, they don't know our fans. And it's like, okay, as part of this, you gotta have security detail, you gotta make sure that, you know, for any event, you want you want everybody attending to feel safe. And then also as like talent on this thing, they wanted us to feel safe. 
that like we there was security that were assigned to different things, including us. And you know what? I'll say the mythical beasts were like super chill. It was it was like it felt in a lot of ways like a family reunion for a lot. You know, it's just like some people wanted pictures. A lot of people just wanted to give a friendly hello. You know, if they happen to see crew, the crew had great experience in interacting with fans. And um, so, I, you know, credit to Mythical Beasts and how um, grounded they were. Like so many people came up, and we've heard this before when we do when we tour. tour people at the venues are like, "You, how are your fans so cooperative, and they don't cause trouble, and they're not rowdy, and they don't, they're not rude." That was what everybody at Star Hill was saying. They were yeah. talking about. They were like, "They don't litter." And then when somebody, like they were telling a story, uh, there was a time when somebody took a trash can out of a trash, a trash bag out of a trash can in order to throw it away. And there's that moment where you don't have a trash bag in there. Yeah. And like some, uh, one of the fans came up to somebody who worked there and said, we need to get a bag in here so people, you know, so we huh. it, it, I love that. That's they didn't the, have their own bag. That's the community. That's the community I have my own that, bag. that we together have cultivated is a group of good people. But. I love it. I will, I do have to share this one story. I mean, there's an exception to every rule and um, I didn't tell you ahead of time, but I'm, I'm just gonna share it, it doesn't matter. Um, so the security that we had was, uh, they were, yeah, they were taking care of us. So I, you know, I felt safe, but like Christy, told me at a certain point that like, as she was, um, I think it was the James and the Shame concert because they got a place, they were ushered to a place like um, Christy and the kids behind the sound area. And then there was somebody who uh, was making her pretty uncomfortable because they just kept staring at her. And like, and then she would look over her shoulder and this, this guy was staring at her. And then um, she started looking more often. And I was like, well, he probably thought you were interested. And she was like, ah. every time I look back, he was closer. And she said he had sh like shifty eyes, kind of like looking at her and looking around. And So then she called. Didn't seem to be enjoying himself. Uh-uh. And then, so she, but she did the right thing and she got someone to contact security and reported this guy and said, okay, um, there's somebody here who's making me really uncomfortable. He's staring at me. He's not happy. He's getting closer. Um, um, and the security said, we'll, we'll get right on it. And then um, the guy who was staring at her turned out to be the head of security. Yeah, this is such a Christie story. It's like we're gonna call we're gonna call the head of security right now, and then all of a sudden the person that staring at Christie is answering the phone. He's like, "Yeah, I, I'm, I got, I, I got you." I, and I wonder, I wonder how that was. It was just like, "What? Could you describe him?" Well, he's got on a black jacket. He's uh, he's got an earpiece. He's, he's got he's bearded, uh, with gray hair, khakis. She turned in the head of he's security. Currently talking security. on the phone. Yeah, and well, and they were great. She, she's just, she just is, I mean, I, I'm like clueless. I'm like, oh yeah, like there's there's eight security. And again, here. not that the mythical beasts are to be 
worried about. But again, it's this just it's standard yeah. protocol. You oh, gotta yeah. make sure that that, that right. everybody from mythical and everybody in our family is is protected from somebody who might want to do something. So I think that. And uh, we didn't get they to, were great. Yeah, they were great. We didn't get to see everything, like all the stuff that all the other podcasts that went on. Like we could hear it from the stage, and then like all the mythical kitchen, like baby food eating contest. I saw Josh in a diaper beforehand, and I saw that he still had his belt afterward. But we didn't get to see a lot he of that stuff. His title. But um, everything that we did get to experience vicariously through fans and as they talked to us in the meet and greets or the stuff that we would see every now and again and all the stuff that we participated in, it was just, it was still a very fulfilling experience for us. Like getting up there the next day, my dad and I did a live dispatches and I was just, just grinning from ear to ear watching him take in all this fan adulation for the first time. It was so special. Like just watching his experience the whole time. It was like it was like bringing your kid to Disneyland for the first time and everybody knew your kid at Disneyland. It's like that's what it felt but like. But it goes a step beyond that because it's as if your dad has been preparing for this moment his entire life. He didn't seem nervous. And it's not just that he doesn't seem nervous. And you know, cause people. He was like, finally. People in entertainment get their parents involved for different reasons because your parents tend to be entertaining not necessarily as entertaining as your dad, uh, but he's not just this willing participant. He's he's more than that. He's eager. He's loving every minute of it. And the other oh, yeah. thing that he he's done, which he did multiple times, but especially at the end when we were with the crew after the brunch and the crew, basically this was like a signing off of Mythicon. Yeah. And it's just the mythical crew who had worked Mythicon kind of together in a room. He did this several times, but he did it there as well. He, he's like, this is my opportunity to, to say something. And yeah. so it gets everybody's attention and says re this really sweet thing about how welcome he feels. And and I looked at Nancy and Nancy's tearing up as he's I talking. Nancy, Nancy, his wife, uh, your stepmother is what she is. I know you yeah, don't technically. consider her that, but that's what she is technically. technically yeah. They just had the best time. It and was they, so sweet. And they kept talking about the fans, the people that they were meeting, because you have an idea, as a parent, you have an idea of what it is that your child does, but not really, not really. Right. And you can talk about it, you can be like, yeah, it's like, there are these people who I have identified with the things that we and our company have put out into the world and they really identify with it to the point that they call themselves mythical beasts and they will come to an event like this, but until you see it and you interact with these folks, you don't really appreciate it. I think it was dawning on him repeatedly that this is, I didn't understand the level of just commitment and, 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 yeah. and the nature of the experience. And of that course- was cool to see. You know, and we, we gave him a special role yeah, Arguably, let's, let's talk about let's talk about the main show. So the main show, um, I'm glad we were able to stream it, and then we we're able to do video on demand. Uh, you know, it's no longer available, but like there were opportunities for people to experience it who weren't there, and I'm so glad because it was the most fun I've ever had on a stage of ours. I think I think it was our most fun show we've ever done. Oh yeah. Like from a personal standpoint, my experience, like it, 
everything that we've learned in our couple of years of touring and doing like three different stage shows, we've done like very technical, um, like a polished presentation. And then with our last, and then we did the Bleak Creek thing, which was like more intimate and totally different. But then like the Rent and Link tour where it was just like music and banter is where we really started to learn that the looser the better, you know? A lot of what we're learning just with like Good Mythical Morning and Good Mythical More in general is that putting ourselves in environments where we can be ourselves and interact with each other and interact with people is where we do our best work. Right, and just surprise each other and it's not about hitting marks or certain lines. However, that all being said, there were some very important marks to be hit. Yeah. You know, because the show consisted of, I think, five musical performances from everything from, you know, starting out by coming in on the double bike and doing the I'm on vacation to a few acoustic performances to closing it out with a black light glow in the dark recreation of our So Dang Dark video that was super fun to put together. Intermingled or intermixed with something we've never done before, which is bringing a segment of GMM live on stage in the International Dark Game. When when we we sang the where in the world do these mythical beasts come from? And then the doors open and Chase, the cartographer came out with that map, like, like five times as big as the normal map. They went crazy oh, yeah. for Chase. Like I was so happy for Chase that like he had such a moment, you know? Oh yeah, it was it was wonderful. And and then of course Stevie was on the mic. Yeah. So we'll talk about the the alien part. But w my point was is that there were a lot of marks to hit and there were a lot of technical things to do correctly. Yeah. That you know, when we did our tour of mythicality show a few years ago, there was a two week rehearsal where we like rented out a rehearsal space in Burbank and we like literally two weeks of going there on and off over the course of two weeks, getting all the marks down so you can take this show and take it on the road. This was two hours of a rehearsal on Thursday night to be ready for this show. Now we knew what we were gonna do and we had scripted it out, the, the parts that were you know outlined, it's not scripted, but you know, when your dad showed up at Mythicon, he didn't know he was gonna be an alien. No, I, know, I didn't tell him. I was like, I'll find the right time to tell him. Which ended up being perfect for Which was at we'll dinner in front of everybody. But what we knew we wanted to do the crew, which, was, we, we, of course we had this idea. And he, he didn't bat an eye. Oh no, he, I, and, I, and, and now I, and, and I didn't think he would, but like now knowing the way he interacts with these ideas, it's like, we could get him to do anything. Oh yeah. But oh, we knew he very wanted, dangerous. We wanted to play around with this idea that is a is an idea that some people believe in. I don't uh, personally necessarily believe in it, but this idea that you can connect with aliens through meditation. We were like, oh, that's a fun uh, sort of foil to do this set where we can kind of do some improv music where we're like helping the alien zero in. Now, I'll just go ahead and say, if you were watching on the live stream uh, and you felt like that segment just went on too long. Well, it wasn't really, it wasn't primarily for you. It was, it, the it, show was primarily for moment. the people who were there, right? Who were participating in that chant, who were looking to the skies. And we said, listen, this is primarily for the people who showed up to Mythicon, but we're gonna offer it as a live stream because if you wanna feel like you're part of it, you can. But I well, can imagine- that moment of like, you know, group meditation. That's not something people like stream on the internet 
for like thousands of views. And I'm sure people who were there thought it was going on for a long time. But again, what's your hobby? I like to watch other people meditate we were, live. We, we were doing, again, none of that was written. The only thing that was pre-written were the coordinates that Jenna had found of the exact spot that we were at at Star Hill, and they were they were on my shooty box, taped on my shooty box. That's where I was reading my shooty box. I was playing it, which is why when when that person and we both retweeted the thing like uh, leading up to Mythicon, somebody tweeted that video of this like hippie looking dude playing this instrument, and then another dude blowing bubbles on stage, and I was like. This is basically our ver. We've already planned our version. We were already of this. ready for it. And so, like, I love the fact that somebody said this is going to be rent link in X number of years. And I'm like, no, this is going to be rent link in X number of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Just get ready for it. So it was so weird, and we were like, yeah, I set it up. Like, listen, you're here. You're you're up for anything. So we just want to take full advantage of that. So now we are going to contact aliens, and then everybody was up for it. Oh, they were so up for it. Now. It was so When we originally conceptualized this, it was just, hey, we're gonna do this thing of, we're trying to contact aliens, obviously it's gonna fail, but then it's gonna result in Charles, an alien showing up. Now, we wanted it to be something where we might be able to fool some people or give you the, the emotional feeling of that you have made contact. And so the first thing we looked into was like a drone show. Those are- <laughs> It's when you have, that's when you have like, if you don't know, like, it could be 20 or 30 or uh, hundreds. hundreds of drones that are programmed to like make a giant face in the sky. They did it, if you look up drone show uh, it's Burning Man. awesome. There's a giant face. I mean, it's like the face of God looking down at you. If you know. So crazy. Now, we already indicated earlier that we did not make any money. <laughs> so we weren't <laughs> about to spend the like approximately $1 million that it would have cost <laughs> in order to, if you get one of these companies to do the type of drone show that they do for like the NBA finals or something. So we quickly downgraded to one singular drone that we rented. But, and you may think, oh, okay, but if you were there and we, and, and I, and if you were really close, if you were like on the front row, the stage is actually too big for you to see it, but so you needed to be back kind of in the middle then everybody in the back. I went back there uh, during the rehearsal and watched it and I was like, oh gosh, this is gonna be great. Yeah, Ben rented a drone, he piloted the drone. And it had a big spotlight on it, so it was very it was bright. Like a, it was like a search, search and rescue drone spotlight. Yeah, well, and apparently it was so convincing that when we were doing our brunch the next morning, on Sunday morning, we were saying like, hey, what was your highlight? A lot of people said the show last night, just absolutely loved it. And then one person piped up and said, do you guys know that right when you were doing that thing where you contacted aliens, a plane flew over really, really low? It freaked me out. I thought maybe something we had done had worked. We were like, really? <laughs> You sure you you sure it wasn't a UFO that then landed behind the stage? Right. So the way it happened was is that we're singing the coordinates, chanting the coordinates, then chanting, "We are looking to the skies for you." At which point, Ben kind of brings the drone over the stage and then slowly lowers it down behind the stage. And this is all choreographed with this sound design that Ben has put together, including this really low. If you again, this is one of those things that like why being there was so much different because they started playing this very low rumble that was shaking the entire place as this drone is coming down, right? And yeah. then when it lands, there's this, it, it feels like a, uh, 
the, like this light comes on from behind the stage and then, you know, it took a while to kind of get things situated. We were kind of waiting there for a while, but eventually the doors open, CO2 cannons, boom, light. And then an alien with a giant freaking head, like an eight foot tall alien <laughs> with four arms is standing there with a three ring binder. <laughs> and yeah, the alien comes out and just kind of like shuffles forward. He lifts his four arms with the tablet in his left hand. He says. Binder. A binder. Greetings, earthlings. I come in peace. I come in peace. I don't think dad changed his voice at all. I'd say like a 10% change. But this is where <laughs> so your dad being your dad really made this segment. And, and I think the best way to illustrate what it's like to work with your dad in this context is to talk about the rehearsal. Uh, which basically we Welcome had- Welcome to your we, future. We, we, we had a little discussion with him and it was essentially, Charles, you know, the doors are gonna open, you're gonna come out, you're gonna say greetings, I come in peace. Um, then we're gonna have a little discussion with you about where do you come from, what your, what's your name? And then you're going to say that I brought you a gift, it's the time gate. And then this big sort of elevator looking thing is gonna kinda come out from the door and then you're gonna, there's an instruction manual that you're gonna read, it's a three ring binder, that explains basically why you're giving us to this and what we can do and it sets up the next bit. You don't have to memorize how the time gate works, you just read it off the, the manual. And the first, so during the rehearsal, he walks out, he spreads his arms and he says, welcome earthlings. <laughs> As if, as if we're say, all the ones that yeah, showed up. Welcome to this planet I just arrived at. <laughs> to the, that you're already on. And I was like, oh, if, uh, was I, like, okay, I, a little I, twist I, there. I like that choice. A little twist. And we told him that when we asked him what his name is, that his name is Daryl in our language. Well, we, we said so then we it's asked too him, difficult for you to understand it in my language, but it's the equivalent of Daryl. It's what we told him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then when we're doing the rehearsal, I'm like, well, what's your name? And he's like, Charles. <laughs> Which I was like, that's perfect. Like, yeah. I didn't want to change did, any of that. So he got it all right during the show, unfortunately. Well, the, you kept telling me to like to to help him out to like make sure he had the right lines, which he did. Well, that was I think it would have been even funnier. That if he didn't. actually wasn't that he he wasn't supposed to say that his name was Daryl. He was supposed to say that I can't pronounce my name. In I my know, language, but he just said Daryl. He ended did. Up being, it ended up getting a laugh. But the funniest part of the rehearsal was when we said, did you bring a gift? And he holds up the binder and he's like, I brought this book. This, and it was, yeah. the gift is the book. And we're like, no, 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 the, no, no, the, the, the gift is the time gate. And that's just the, the book instruction, is the instruction manual. manual. That was, that was uh, And it seemed like it was difficult to, um, for him to get To get restore that, that information yeah. in his but he, but, he, but he did, the, he, he did by the time we got around to the show. I'm just glad he didn't trip and fall, you know, and like bust his brain open. And I'm talking about that huge alien brain that was like, his whole face was in the mouth of the alien. It's so funny. I was so proud of him. He did awesome. He loved every second of it. It yeah. was great. It, and uh, and then Jordan, you know. Was in the time gate. Of course, the bit was you can communicate with your past selves, your present selves, or your future selves. And so we kind of brought in what Jordan has really done a good job with on GMM, which is, Putting his mouth up to a hole, <laughs> saying something insane, and, and, and so he played 
Young me and young you, and then old me and old you. Yeah, but we each played present us, and then whatever the other the other one. Of it us was fun. Well. It was a, it was a, it was a good ending. For, I mean, that was fun. That was a nice bit. And then we like sang lonely, sad little water dispensing tab. Did a little sing along, and then we went away. We put on our suits and we did the the encore. Did uh, so dang dark. I almost stepped off of the stage. I will say that because we during the encore we had to go back and change. And again. These that would have been bad. There are these little things that you work out in a doing a rehearsal, even a second rehearsal, that we just didn't. It was just we didn't have time because we got there, and here's the stage, and this all the stuff's coming together. This stuff has just been built just in time. So when we go back to change out of our clothes into these skin tight clothes that have black light reflective paint on them, that mimics exactly the way we looked in the So Dang Dark video. There were no lights. <laughs> and so there were steps down to this area that we were gonna change. And I kinda knew that there were steps there, and I didn't know that there were like, they were kinda not that wide. And so when I stepped down, I stepped completely down to the next level. And I mean, that could've been catastrophic, but I just have to- could've broken your hip. I caught myself and that was the only moment that I felt unsure Again, about nobody things. left on a stretcher. No, Success. not even us. Success. And I'll tell you know, after that was the, was my DJ set to close thing out, so which, which which we'll talk about next episode. But and then the next morning, yeah, we had a brunch with like people who had that ticket, and like like you said, we went around and talked to a bunch of mythical beasts as they were eating wedding reception stuff. And, and also awesome. uh, the 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 mythical crew was there for that. Our wives were there for that. Really, the first time that uh, Jesse and Christy have interacted with mythical beasts in that way. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And you know the fact that you know Lily and Lincoln and Lando were also there was very special to me. I know Locke couldn't make it because he was you know just getting going with school, but Shepard was there, and I'm just so yeah. glad that they were there. It was a big part of it. Like Lily posted a picture of like me getting ready for my DJ set, where we're like hanging out on this bed, like in one of the places the day before. It's just like you know these are all these like great memories for me yeah. that the moment. I took that initial tour and walked around right when we arrived. I was like, I'm so glad that my family's showing up for this thing and experiencing this because, you know, whatever we do next will be different. You know, it, that's how we are. So it'll be enough the same, but enough different to still be exciting. But to be the first one for it to be so special, you know, it was special for everybody who was there and to have like our family there, to have so many of the mythical crew there. Um, and that they had good experiences. It was it. It all just, you know, it was high stress, and um, people had to work them their themselves to the bone. I, I acknowledge that, but like, and it it, in my opinion, it was all worth it. You know, from my perspective, I'm just so proud of what everybody did to put into it, and that we got it to experience it, uh, together. It was just. Yeah, it was awesome. It was it was it was absolutely a career highlight for me. Oh yeah, yes. Thank you to everybody who was able to make it. We know that you know in the scheme of things, it was a relatively small percentage of of mythical beasts. But you know, many of you who are some of our most active mythical beasts, who you know make their 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 passion for all things mythical known on the internet on a regular basis. A lot of you were there. People that we've met before, previous right. tours, and meet and greets, uh, and a lot of people we haven't met before, 
obviously we couldn't do this without you and you made it a very, very special thing that we're gonna take everything that we learned and all the the things that made it really special, made it unique, all the all the best parts of it and try to find ways to replicate that moving forward. What that's gonna look like, like you said, uh, we don't know, but we always love to start something, learn from it, keep moving forward, and there's nothing like, there's nothing like when we all get together like that. And we say it every time we tour. Yeah. But it's just, it remains true that there's nothing like being in the same place with a bunch of mythical beasts. Especially after everything that like, you know, with the pandemic of it all, you know. Yeah. It's really, it, 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 it gave us a renewed appreciation for being there and the, the having the ability to create something, have people show up and collaboratively make it an experience, yeah. you know? So very grateful. Um, I feel like we took our own advice, we stopped, we celebrated. We're gonna do more of that in the next episode too, kind of. Oh, yeah, I, speaking of, yeah, you said you wanna know my perspective. I have, I have a lot of thoughts about uh, <laughs> your, you, you uh, the birth of Elk Hound Snuggle Baby. Mm -hmm. um, but so, do you have a wreck today? I do, it's just the same thing I've already talked about, which is the physical album, oh, Human Overboard. Just more self-promotion. Yeah, right, I just wanna make That's sure you That's not what wrecks are for, that, uh, that doesn't count. Okay, I, uh, I, I, I thought that was I, against the rules. I think in this case it does. Yeah, James, oh, the, you know what? I'm glad I talked about it because if you go to jamesintheshame.com or you just go to any one of my social media profiles and click on the link tree there, you can join the mailing list. Look at you and your mailing list. Uh, you know, if you, if you, hey, musicians, man, gotta have mailing lists. I don't know why, but they do. Um, you can get a discount code that you can apply to the album. Oh. Uh, something I forgot, so that's that's oh. worth mentioning. So if you, if you wanna get, um, I think we're doing a 10% uh, discount code, join the mailing list. I'm not gonna send very many emails, trust me, because I'm not doing a whole lot that needs that needs emails sent. But it's so, when there is something special that you need to know about, like a physical product or a discount or whatever, you can join the mailing list, but mainly to get that discount. Okay, I get it. Jamesintheshame.com. We'll holla at you next week. Let us know what you think, hashtag Ear Biscuits, and of course, you can always respond to anything that we've talked about, give us your take on it. One eight 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 earpod one for the voicemail. Hi, my name's Victoria. I'm a nurse from Ontario, Canada, and I just wanted to let um, you guys know that most pills are both swallowable and chewable, but a large majority aren't, especially those that are extended release. So, if you have questions, please speak to your pharmacist before chewing any old random pill. Thanks. Hi, Brett and Link. I went to Mythicon this year, and it was very cool to see Jenna and all like the women that you guys have on um, your crew and your team. Um, my work in production, you know, is very like rarely has uh, women on like set in productions, and I just wanted to make a note of how rare it feels. That's all I wanted to say. Like y'all are wonderful, um, and you surrounded yourself with such wonderful people, and you seem to have like a really awesome eye for that. So love y'all. Hi, Rutten Link. This is Jade from Claremore, Oklahoma, and I'm just curious how you came up with the name Elkhound Snuggle Baby. Love it. Hey, Rhett and Link, this is Mallory from Boston. 
And uh, a friend of mine actually turned me on to you guys during the pandemic, and I'm forever grateful to that friend. Um, I was listening to your episode from Mythicon, which was A+, by the way, um, and I really liked what you guys had to say about friendship, so I thought I'd provide a rec of my own, since you guys are always providing such great recs to all of us. Um, and it's a book called Big Friendship, and it's by Amina Tussauds. Check it out.